You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Belly on up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar and pour yourself a cold one. If you're Rick Hahn, just grab yourself a seat right here at the table. He sits at all the tables, doesn't he, Ed? Oh, yeah. It's trade deadline season, and the White Sox are at every single table. The good tables, the not-so-good tables, the tables that nobody really wants to sit at. Sometimes Rick Hahn is the only guy at the table, (laughs) and everyone's looking at him like, Rick, man, why are you sitting at that table? Supposedly, early on in the uh, trade deadline season, we were at the Juan Soto table. I don't believe that. I believe maybe Rick walked up with a folding chair. He sat down near the table. Uh, there was somebody who tweeted out that the White Sox were were sitting at the table. I don't believe the White Sox ever had a chance at the table. Then you find out they're sitting at the Shohei Otani table. I don't believe that for a moment. What are you trading for Shohei Otani? That John Heyman is saying that the White Sox made an offer for him, but it wasn't enough. That's like me... Right now, my alma mater, my high school alma mater, where my kid's going to start as a freshman, Brother Ice High School on the South Side, storied basketball program. Like, not the best, but they've, they've had some seasons, right? That they, That's a real high school basketball team right there. They're generally ranked on, on the top 25 list uh, throughout Chicagoland each and every year or most years. And they're looking, they put their posting up for a new basketball coach, which they're probably, like, required to do, but they probably already got somebody in mind, right? If I were to go online right now and fill out an application and then sit down at Cork and Carry up the street on Western Avenue and go, hey, I'm in the running for the Brother Ice uh, basketball head coaching job. A guy who, by the way, scored two points between the 6th, 7th, and 8th grade combined for St. Dennis Grammar School, Chris Lanuti, and is the worst basketball player and most horrible basketball guy in the world. I have a terrible basketball mind. I, I, I would never talk NBA or college basketball. You, you can barely talk about it even right. as you're talking about it right now. Right now, I don't even know what to call myself. I'm just really bad at it, right? But that would be like me sitting up there and saying, yeah, I have a shot. I might I might get that head coaching job over at Rice. That That's what this is like. The, a seat at the table with Shohei Otani. Give me a break. Why is it every time somebody gets signed, I hear they had a seat at the table? They were even at the Jose Quintana table, which is like the kitty table. They probably actually had a seat there. Not a good seat, but they were there. They're at every table. I, and, and I got to be honest, that drives me as nuts as anything else because then you, you get this this thing where you get all these fans riled up like, oh, you know, well, at least we're, get, we're getting Jose Quintana. And the question I have is you're trying to win a championship. Why do you want Jose Quintana? I mean, when we traded him the first time around, I understood why the Cubs wanted him. But since then... Well, here's the thing. Like, on the network, we have the Bucks in the Basement podcast. It's out of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Craig Toth does an excellent job out there in Pittsburgh writing about the Pirates, and I help him out with that show. I don't know anything about the Pirates, but he has me come on and just talk baseball with him because he needs somebody to sound off of, and I'll do that with him, right? Well, I've been paying a little bit of attention to Jose Quintana because of that show on the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network, and he had a great first couple of months. He's kind of reverting back to average Jose Quintana right now. All right. Like, that's not an exciting move. It would be slightly more exciting than the move that they made already. The White Sox made a massive trade on Monday, trading away Reese McGuire, who really shouldn't have survived 
when the roster crunch happened at some point here, and acquiring Jake Diekman, a left-handed relief pitcher. I, I want to just kind of explain the good parts about this trade. The good parts are that, one, if you give Tony three catchers, he's going to put all three of them in the lineup. Sometimes about two. On the same day. Yeah, and on the same day that might happen. He, he at least is yeah, going to play two McGuire catchers. Yeah, behind the plate. Right. Yaz will be playing first, and Sebi Zavala will be the DH. Right. He's going to at least get two catchers in a game. And if you look at the last five, six, seven games, it's basically been two games for Zavala catcher, two games for Grandala catcher, and then one game for Maguire. Every five games, it seems to be that split. If you go back and you look at the lineups. So you get that out of there because Maguire really shouldn't be in there. Zavala's better and Grandal's your star that you're hoping is going to continue trending upward here in the second half of the season. So Maguire was already out. So you, you got him out of Tony's hair. That's a good thing, right? Plus, Rick Hahn doesn't like to admit fault. That's why Craig Kimbrell's option was picked up and you had to go make a trade rather than take that $16 million, walk into free agency, maybe not re-sign Larry Garcia for $5.5 million for three years in a row and take then that $21.5 million right there by not picking up the Kimbrell contract and not signing Garcia and go out in the free agency and actually fill one of these holes that we're always talking about second base outfield, another relief pitcher, another starter. But no, you didn't do it that way because you would have had to have people criticize your trade of Madrigal for Kimbrel. You you traded away a first-round draft choice for McGuire. So you got to deal him. You can't just DFA McGuire. You got to deal him because if, if, you, if you DFA him, you look silly. And we can't look silly. We can't ever say, you know what, maybe that wasn't the right choice to move on. The Yankees would do that. The Yankees would be like, eh. This guy's terrible. The Dodgers would do that. And eh, we draft this guy in the first round. He's terrible. But look at all the other first round draft choices we had that worked out. They're, they're confident enough to move on. The White Sox don't do that. Make no mistake about it. You traded away a guy that really wasn't of use to your team for a left-handed pitcher that really isn't of use to your team. Diekman walks seven batters per nine innings. He's going to walk a guy. Every time he comes out, he's going to walk a guy. His walks and hits per innings pitched is right around one and a half. He's the left-handed Jose Ruiz. He's 35 years old, and in 11 seasons in Major League Baseball, he's only had two in which his walks and hits per innings pitched, his whip, was below 1.30. One of those two years was the 2020 shortened season. He has made an entire career out of just being left-handed. If he was a right-handed relief pitcher, he wouldn't even be in baseball. He's the reason that some dads joke when their kids are born, I'm going to tie his right arm behind his back and teach him to throw lefty so maybe he can be a Major League Baseball player. That's what Jake Diekman is, all right? And the problem is Tony's going to look at him as a 35-year-old veteran, and he's going to trot him out there in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, and he is going to annoy you White Sox fans. You're going to be like, what the heck did we get this guy for? I mean, he's a bridge to, uh, to Aaron Bummer coming back, but uh, he's a shaky bridge at best. He's still more useful than Reese McGuire, let's face it. Well, I, yeah. I mean, a, a left-handed <laughs> reliever is still eminently more useful than a third-string catcher. But yeah, you know, you're right about, about the Rick Hahn thing and them always not being able to move on from their their prospects. And it's partially... Because if you look at the Sox farm system, especially in the Rick Hahn era, now remember, the rebuild, the whole point of the rebuild was to get away from the Kenny Williams, let me draft some, you know, toolsy guys, my first few rounds are the most important, let me get some guys, they're just prospects, and, 
you know, I can I can trade them. If they pan out, great. But we're always going to reload. We're going to look for veteran players. We're going to look for guys that are, you know, young guys that are, you know, kind of scrap heap on their team or, or guys that are, you know, Jose Quintana was kind of a throwaway guy for the Yankees, right? And he gets picked up by the White Sox, turns into something. Great. But the rebuild was supposed to change that. The rebuild was supposed to make the farm system this this glorious mass of baseball humanity that everybody is envious of and wants to come and get so that you can sit at the Shohei Otani table, you can sit at the Juan Soto table because you've always got five or six good prospects that are sitting right there. And you can make that big move or you can make a small move, right? You can just sit there and go, okay, well, we need a pitcher. Let's go out and uh, let's make a competitive offer for Tyler Molly from the Reds. Okay, you know, maybe we got outspent by the Mariners, but, you know, let's, let's try for their other guy. But no, the White Sox, you know, Zach Collins was so bloody important as a first-round pick that you couldn't move on from him because Zach Collins was so important to the future of this team, even though he could not catch a baseball and could barely hit one, which are the two things that a catcher is supposed to be able to do, at least one of those, right? Either catch the ball or hit it, and Zach could do kind of neither. So you got to trade him. You trade him for Reese McGuire, who's also a failed high draft pick. And now you've traded Reese McGuire for a guy that would be probably a loogie if they still allowed that under the rules and allowed lefties to come in and face one guy. I want to get into why they are such a problem when it comes to the trade deadline and uh, who I think can actually save this team. And I think it's going to shock people who have listened to this show over the last four years. Before I do that, I want to remind you about Hyatt Home Medical Equipment. Uh, Look, uh, people get older. Uh, You might have parents that right now have a hard time getting around the home. You might have had a surgery recently or you're you're having a hard time. And, and let's say you just need something minor, right? Like something to hang on to in the bathroom. You need the, the bathtub retrofitted or maybe you need a chairlift that goes up the stairs. Possibly you just have something like diabetes control that you need to work on or a CPAP machine. All of that stuff is available, specialized beds, recliner chairs, you name it. It's at Hyatt Home Medical Equipment right here on the south side. They work with the insurance company to make sure you pay the absolute least, and they throw a discount on top of that if you mention socks in the basement. Check out all they have to offer at hhme.com. Stay independent, stay in the home, keep your loved ones at home, stop in and see them today, 3518 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park. All right, I think one of the big problems that the White Sox have under Rick Hahn. He's really been in charge for a long time at this point. He's had he's had plenty of time to get in there and and set things up the way that he wanted them set up. And everything from your major league roster down to your minor leagues, it's Rick Hahn's. We've had James Fox on from Future Sox. He's talked about this. How the White Sox go into the international market. And yeah, they make the splash. They get the Luis Robert and the Oscar Colas and the Yoki Cespedes. You name it, they go out and they get that guy. They don't have a lot of money left over, though. And a lot of teams go out and they grab young, talented players that eventually pan out to become at least, at least, high-end trade pieces for this time of year. The White Sox don't seem to be developing well enough that when they go into these negotiations, when they get to trade deadlines, that they can beat another team. Look at the Yankees. Not only is their team great, and this is my main complaint about the White Sox, the Yankees entered a season with a team that is fully formed and ready to compete for a World Series. The White Sox lately seem to enter the season saying, we made some moves, we're not done yet, we'll add more 
before the deadline when we see exactly how things shake out. So they're like an unfinished piece of art. Meanwhile, the Yankees are a piece of art. And then they go out and they buy a really fancy frame. You know, they get the glass case over it. They hire a security guard. They put lasers in front of it so nobody can attack their art. Like they go and get all the add-ons at the trade deadline. We're still forming the team every year at this time. That's a massive problem. And we don't seem to have the pieces when it comes time to beat somebody else out for something. We didn't really have a chance at Luis Castillo. Did we need him? Yeah, we did. Should we be in the running for him? You're darn right we should. I mean, look, folks, when the White Sox won the World Series in 2005, Kenny Williams made moves at the trade deadline in the years leading up to it when he acquired players that were key to that championship season. Freddie Garcia, let's not forget, was a really good pitcher for the Mariners. He was acquired at the trade deadline in advance of that season. He was picked up in 04 at the trade deadline and then extended. He had the pieces to be able to go out and grab Garcia where other teams wanted to go get him. He was able to make the move to go out and grab him. The Sox don't feel like they're capable of doing that the way they're currently run. I don't see them able to offer the most and so they get beat out by teams that can. This is where we're lacking right now. We have we have a lot of things that we're lacking at, but when it comes to the trade deadline, so far, I mean, yeah, we went and got Jake Diekman. At this point, I don't feel like we've done anything. I mean, I don't know if something is going to happen overnight before people hear the show, or maybe in the afternoon after they've listened to it in the morning, or maybe by the time you've listened to it, they've made a deal. But I feel very confident in saying, I don't think they have the pieces to go out and do anything impactful. They don't. You're talking about being able to make the best offer or, or offer the most for a key guy that could come in and really help the team. And you look at where the Sox prospects rank. And, and, and you're right. We've had guys on to talk about it. We have James Fox on to talk about this. The, the, their farm system just isn't deep. And the guys that, that we talk about as fans, okay, are just, they're not even guys that are particularly interesting to other teams. And to the extent that they are, you'd have to package all of the guys that we routinely talk about, right? We're talking about Cespedes. We're talking about Colas, right? We're talking about Vera and uh, Montgomery, you know, and, and and part of Rick's problem is, is, okay, so you've noted that they go for the big splash guy in the international market, which is fine if you draft really well. And you make the most out of the draft and you sign undrafted free agents and you pick up minor league free agents very well, you know, but not guys that are quad A leftovers that, that, you know, at 32 might make their major league debut. I'm talking about guys that are, you know, maybe have some kind of a future. If you can build a farm system other ways, you can go out and use the international signings to make those splashes. That's great. Okay. But they don't do that. So what you have is you have a triple A team right now that does not have anybody that is a prospect of real solid note to other teams. You have a double-A team that's got a few guys that might be interesting. You've got some guys in the low minors that could be interesting. But you don't have what, say, the Padres are looking to offer, where they traded a guy in uh, Estuary Ruiz. And he was a guy that was one of the guys you're talking about that just sort of arises out of nowhere. He's got one really great trade. He's a fast dude. He kind of passed C.J. Abrams, who's their top prospect. Abrams is even on the block. They're willing to trade him because they've got guys in place for him. So you're not talking about a White Sox team that's that's needs to be fully formed in the offseason and then has pieces in place to make those moves. The, the team isn't in the same vein as some of the guys that perennially contend. 
the Cubs just received Zach McKinstry from the Dodgers. Last year, McKinstry was an important utility player for them. He was in their lineup pretty frequently for a while there and was filling in and became a useful major league part that got flipped over to the Cubs for a, a you know for a reliever. I mean, you know, nothing exciting, but still, the Sox don't even have that guy. They don't even have the guy that's that's had a couple of cups of coffee with them that you can sit there and go, oh, this guy's good. That guy's probably Adam Engel, who's a 30-year-old fourth outfielder. And that's not the type of thing that the Reds are going to rebuild around for Luis Castillo. That's not what the Royals are going to look to have for Andrew Benintendi. That's not what the A's want at all for, say, Frankie Montas or Ramon Laureano. Remember, Socks in the Basement brought to you proudly by Family Waterproofing Solutions for Boeing Walls, Window Wells, Foundation Crack Repair, some pumps, gutter cleaning, yard drainage systems, anything you can think of to keep water out of your basement and keep your foundation safe. Give them a call. Family and veteran owned and operated since they started in 2013. And when you mention Socks in the Basement, you get money off. 24-7, call 708-330-4466. See what a difference a family makes at FamilyDry.com. I want to list for you moves that were made in 2004. And this is what I'm waiting for that I'm not going to get from Rick Hahn. Where the White Sox in 04 were built to contend. The, the White Sox were supposed to be a team that could win the division in 04. That was the bill of goods that was sold to me. And when it wasn't going exactly the way that it should be going, on June 4th, 2004, Kenny Williams acquired Freddie Garcia and Ben Davis, a catcher, for Mike Morse, Miguel Olivo, and Jeremy Reed. On July 18th of 2004, Carl Everett was acquired for Gary Majewski and John Rausch. And then... On July 31st, 2004, Esteban Loiza, who had been great for the White Sox for a couple of years, Loiza gets dealt for Jose Contreras, who becomes a linchpin to win a World Series with. I miss Kenny Williams. I never thought I would say it out loud. I've given him so much grief uh, even before this show happened. I like to make fun of him from time to time. I laugh when he pops up. I really hated the way that he tried to spin the Manny Machado thing a few years ago. There are times where he gets under my skin. I miss him, though, because Kenny Williams, if he were in charge right now, if he were the guy that was the only guy making the moves, there'd be guys getting moved. You may not like the guys getting moved, but he would he would say at this point, we're not winning. He looked at prospects as nothing but capital. He was just like, you're just a guy. I want guys that win right now. And if you weren't playing well, he dealt you. He wasn't afraid to take a risk. Sometimes it didn't work out and you got angry with him. I felt like he screwed up the team after 05. He made one too many trades and he changed the chemistry a little bit too much. He annoyed me after that. But you can't deny that he tries. And I feel like this team needs that at this point. I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. I feel like the White Sox need Kenny Williams again. Like like right now, that might be the best hope for White Sox fans. I, I'm relieved. I'm relieved you're saying Kenny Williams. Listen, they, they may... I thought you were going to say Rick Renteria. They may win their division. In fact, I still think very doable win your division. Even though your manager was caught on camera, nodding off and falling asleep early in the game on Monday night. <laughs> I mean, like... He was I mean, caught, it, it happened. <laughs> caught on camera because it's late. I mean, look, 7.30 is late, man, for a guy his age. All right. He was nodding off while standing at 730 at night during a baseball game that he's managing in the major leagues. 
All right. I remember when Jerry Manuel fell asleep in the dugout and they fired him. This guy, that's not going to happen unless Kenny Williams comes walking in. I think that if Williams was able to convince Reinsdorf that it was time to make a change and Han's getting offered up and he's going as well. And I don't care if you think that LaRusso was forced upon Han. What Han has built, which is not enough when it comes time to acquire players. The amount of times that we're constantly looking for second base, right field, an extra reliever, and a starting pitcher, wash, rinse, repeat, over and over again. The amount of seats at tables that he's had where he has not walked away with what we think he should walk away with, right? He can go. La Russa can go. You can move on from all these coaches. I'm tired of McEwing. I mean, the only guy that's really going to stick around is Daryl Boston because he was his roommate. So Kenny's keeping Daryl. Daryl's got a lifetime job well, as long as Kenny's Darryl's, there. Daryl's just here, yeah, and, until Daryl's not here. <laughs> right. I, and that's literally how it's going to go. Right. Daryl's going to be with whatever coach comes in, all right? But everybody else, everybody else, I could see Kenny walking in and cleaning house. I could see him finding a way to convince Jerry that Tony doesn't need to play in that last year, that he can come up and help him in the front office. He can become an ambassador. He can move into the front office. Rick goes, and then I think Kenny Williams is going to do things that hurt, but he's going to do things that actually change the makeup of the team, and and it might actually send a message to some of these players that sometimes I think don't have a lot of accountability, don't seem to play with an awful lot of urgency. Not all of them. But there's enough of it that it becomes noticeable to the fan base. And you see it in the comments that fans make, whether it be on social media or on the radio or when they call up to this show. Maybe some of them are complaining about it at Hailstorm Brewing Company. Located in Tinley Park at 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue, Hailstorm Brewing Company is the official brewery of Socks in the Basement. Highly acclaimed new brewer Will Turner is bringing decades of experience and excellence to Hailstorm Brewing, tweaking their classic styles and innovating new beers of his own. In fact, Hailstorm Brewing has one of the top five beers on the South Side right now, according to South Side Pod. You can check that out and find out exactly which one you should go try. They've got great summer lagers still out, like the Primo Mexican Lager. They have Morley, which is an American brown ale, a hoppier take on the classic English brown. Remember, seasonal beers, big tap room, outdoor patio, fire pit, live music on the weekends, trivia nights, all kinds of fun events. Check it all out on Facebook at Hailstorm Brewing Co. Or look at them, hailstormbrewing.com on the interwebs. Once again, right off of 80th Avenue in Tinley Park, 8060, 186th Street. Uh, I'm planning on getting out there very soon, actually. It's it's on my list of things to do possibly this week. Ah, it's a good good list to have. I mean, you're, you're probably going to want to drown your sorrows a little bit because I don't think the trade deadline is going to be what fans have built it up in their minds. Again, I, you and I have talked about it, I think, this entire show. That I, I've I've interacted with people who are sitting here worried about guys like Brandon Drury, you know, worried about these these guys that are just they're not difference makers. They're not guys that are going to win you a championship. Terrible outside of his home ballpark in Cincinnati, by the way. Yeah, and 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 you can't believe that this team is one Jeff Blum away from a World Series championship. You know, it, it's 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 something where. When you look at the team and you sit there and say they've got to come up with, at the trade deadline, four or five players, one of which we kind of need to be a star, right? We sort of need that that star power. And you're sitting there, like, who are they going to trade that's going to, first of all, net one of these stars that are available? And two, how can you sit there and and say that you're a championship team when you're still 
a few players away. That's like somebody sitting there and going all in after they've traded in four cards at a po- at the poker table, right? Right. You know, I'll take four. I'm all in. Oh, yeah, you, you've you got cards. That's what, You've got the hand right there. <laughs> you lucky like- devil. The, the, the original deal sucked. But, you know, as we're going around making a, you know, you're pushing a few cards off. Oh, you got the flush, did you? Yeah, that's not how this is going to work. And, and you know, to your point about shaking things up, I think you're right. I mean, I think you could almost sit there and say that the White Sox, if they wanted to right now, they've got young, controllable talent on the Major League roster. And they've even got some veteran talent on the Major League roster that if they made some very savvy trades, whether it's Rick or Kenny or you or me or Ricky Renteria or Tony or Daryl Boston himself. If, if Daryl Boston were to go into the front office, I'm sure Daryl could do this too. But you could probably make, with one or two trades, you know, a, a complete remake of the team that doesn't have to involve young guys that are three years away. You could come back and get a few pieces that can help, or you can trade a couple of those guys and bring back one guy that's really going to be a difference maker. But like you said, that's going to hurt. And I think it would hurt, you know, some fans. Well, fans are always going to get hurt when guys get traded, right? They, you go back, and I'm sure there are people that in 2004 were like, why would you ever trade Loiza? He's great. And then you also have to check and see if Loiza was their hookup on the streets. But why, you know, why, why would you trade Loiza? Well, Loiza was a was a a, a just a journeyman who who mastered a cutter, rode it to about a season and a half worth of great games, and then got traded for a guy, for this Cuban guy who was amazing down in Cuba, and the Yankees completely botched bringing him to America, had all sorts of problems getting his family up here. The dude was so distracted, and then you bring him, you know, bring him to the White Sox, that stuff gets cleared up, he can actually pay attention and pitch. That's the type of moves that you're looking for, Right. Well, he did move on from guys over that time period, 03 and 04. He moves on from Carlos Lee. He moves on from Maglier Ordonez. I mean, remember at the time, getting rid of those guys was like, what are we doing, right? Like, these are our stars. I was told for the last couple of years, these guys were the future. That's El Caballo you're moving on from in the outfield, right? Who's this Scott Pesednik and what's he going to contribute to the team? And that's the thing. You know, I, I think that that's what White Sox fans have to remember, that, that team of the early 2000s was constructed very differently, and we were sold that some of those guys were essential pieces. And then Kenny looked at it and said, this isn't working, and he made moves. And it, I'm not saying that everybody on the White Sox right now is bad. I'm not saying this team can't win the division. I'm not saying that this team doesn't have a puncher's chance and probably could win their first round. I don't know how they'd ever get past the Yankees, okay? I mean, you're, you're not even on that level. It's going to be hard getting past the Astros or the Yankees once again. Right. And so you you need to remake your team to be able to do that. Kenny Williams, for all of his faults, recognized that in the early 2000s and made real changes. He goes out and he gets a Jermaine die. He grabs that A.J. Pruszynski, who was nothing but a problem. But he goes, no, no, no. This guy's perfect because he used to kick our ass when he was with the Twins. And we need that kind of attitude. He put together the team that he felt would would win over what the numbers said. He made a lot of daring moves. He made a lot of White Sox fans, including myself back then, go, well, this is the best fourth-place team in baseball. Like, on paper, I'm like, I don't know how this team's better than the team that he had the last couple years. You know, where's where's the guys that were the stars that were the core of our team? But he put together a team that could win. That's a drastic thing, but it was the right thing to do. And 
I don't know if the current general manager can do that, right? Because he he's very afraid. This whole thing, this this the, the perfect example is when you look at how he reacts to trades, where the you pick up the Kimbrel thing so you can make the deal rather than take the money and go out and just admit, all right, I traded a guy who was injured. We don't know what he's going to be. I mean, let's be honest. Mandrigal hasn't done anything really this year for the Cubs. He's basically been injured the whole year. Okay? So yeah. I, it's not like he gave up anything great that was going to impact this team this year. Nick Mandrigal wasn't going to help you this year either. Who knows what he's ever going to be, right? You could have said, I don't care what people say. I'm moving on. Kimbrell didn't work out. That was a one-year thing. I'm, I'm going to buy him out for a million dollars, and I'm going to take the $16 million, and then I can get anybody. I don't have to be, like, stuck in a trade. I can go out and get anybody. Right. And, and, and the same thing goes for on, on a smaller level, the Zach Collins thing. Sure. I drafted this guy. I couldn't get rid of him. So I, I dealt him for McGuire. I couldn't get rid of McGuire because now he's no longer needed. So I, I deal him for Deekman. Right. Like you're just, you're just pushing the paper around the table instead of just crumpling up the paper, throwing it in the garbage and moving in a different direction because the direction you're going in isn't working. That, that's the kind of change the team needs to have. Whenever we get to offseason, when all the deals start happening, right, or trade deadline, I constantly feel over the last couple of years, the White Sox don't have enough. That's why they sit at the table. They're at the table. They bring up a little folding chair. They, they sit down at the table. They arrange their fork. They got their plate in front of them. They, they, they make their pitch. The other team laughs at them. And then somebody else sits down and takes what they want, right? And in free agency, it's the same thing. You know, some of that's their own doing. You should have just given Manny Machado 10 years and $300 million. That's what he asked for at the beginning of the offseason. You never actually offered it to him. You played games. You didn't give him the guaranteed years. Imagine this team with him now. I mean, you didn't even sit down at Bryce Harper's table because after the after a couple of years later, he's pretty much said it in interviews that like White Sox weren't really interested in me. I don't know why you skip that table. You sit at every other table. But we're always at the table. And until something changes here, we're just going to be somebody who sits at it. Kenny sits at the table and goes, oh, I want to I eat at this table. He sits down at the table. He looks around and goes, I'm not going to walk away from here without the food. That's what he does. For better or for worse, Kenny sits down and he eats. And I, I can't believe I'm saying it after four years of doing this podcast. I miss Kenny Williams. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com. Can he come back? <laughs> you can tell all of me. I, I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong, Kenny. I was wrong.